you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world, raise $130 million in growth funding, and can help you fast-track product market fit and, where relevant, the launch of your token economy. Okay, so today I'm really happy to welcome co-founder and CEO of Sandbox, Sebastian Bourget. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, and hello everyone who is listening today. You describe yourself as an advocate for NFTs and blockchain in games. Um, you are a developer and pioneer in the blockchain gaming space, very central to the NFT community, non-fungible token community, and also president of the Blockchain Gaming Alliance. Um, the Sandbox is a community-driven platform where creators can monetize voxel assets, and we'll get you to explain that a little bit later, and gaming experiences on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, the project's been going for around two years. So the reason why I wanted you on the show, there are several. Um, so with Sandbox, you're working at the intersection of gaming, NFTs, and DeFi. Um, so I really want to explore this convergence of communities, technologies, um, philosophies. Um, CoinGecko, you've been making great traction with the Sandbox project, but also Sand, your token. CoinGecko uh, launched the top NFTs coin by market cap and Sand token was in the top 10. You have supervised the production and marketing of the studio's most popular titles, um, Doodle Group and the Sandbox. That, the Sandbox franchise has three episodes um, and it's been uh, downloaded more than 40 million times in total. So a huge success. Both Binance and Wellshark Pro. Wellshark Pro is one of the world's largest NFT collectors. I actually had him on the podcast last week. Um, are the two largest landowners in Sandbox the game. Again, we'll unpack exactly what I mean by that but a bit later and you're really attracting top talent from the entertainment industry uh, including Bertrand Levy former global VP of Universal Music um, who joined as VP of licensing and brand partnerships and you've been getting some good success as well with, with some really interesting brands um, so lots and lots to talk about there um, so what I'm going to do is just contextualize you as a, as a guest I'll do my best to give the origin story feel free to correct, elaborate um, where appropriate. So you hold a computer science engineering degree from Telecom uh, Sud Paris, one of France's leading graduate schools for engineering in information and communication technology. You hold a master's in computer system networking, telecommunications from the Chinese University of Hong Kong. You are a serial entrepreneur with, uh, from what I could see, 12 years experience in startups of that eight in mobile gaming, two in blockchain, and exploring a number of different innovative business models in the space. You, from 2007 to 11, were um, COO at Wixi. Um, prior to that, you'd done a number of uh, different projects, again, very linked to entertainment, universal music, AP video, etc. cetera. Um, you founded uh, Pixel Owl, uh, nine years ago, um, more than nine years ago, um, actually, no, nine years ago, founded in 2011, grew that to about 45 people in a very international team. And together you built the family mobile network or a social mobile games um, platform based on characters IP. What's characters IP? 
Well, it's a city builder games with Snoopy, Garfield, Goosebumps, Adam's Family. Uh, those are kind of IPs that we're creating games with. Ah, okay. So you would um, you would license? So we the take characters. the character. Yes, we license the, those IPs and we create games that involve the characters from those IPs, like Snoopy, Peanut, uh, and the other uh, all the. IPs, the strength of IPs is usually within the stories of their characters and the fact that fans and players can relate to them. They already know their background, the context, who they are, etc. And we found that with video games, there's a great match in general. And at Pixel, we leverage that for, uh, well, over nine years now, creating successful city builder games that have been engaging players for some of them for over five years. And quite surprisingly, and I think it's one of our strengths, like those games did monetize better five years later than when they launched initially well, together with the 3D uh, movie in theaters, for example, showing that we can create long-term retaining games. Uh, and we leverage all that experience within Sandbox as well. So that's part of our background working with IPs and brands. Fantastic. Yeah. And I think definitely going to pick up a little bit later on how brands are beginning to engage with NFTs, especially in a, in a gaming context. So Pixel Owl was acquired by, I don't know how to pronounce this, Amikoa? Animoka. Yeah. No, Animoka Brands. Okay, there you go. And the description of, of that company is it leverages gamification, blockchain, and AI to develop and publish a broad portfolio of, of games. Um the Sandbox was one of them, Crazy Kings and Crazy Defense Heroes was another. Um, and uh, I think they have a, a pedigree in a lot of this this brand work as well, right? Brand engagement and licensing. Absolutely. They, they are one of the pioneers in uh, blockchain and IP licensing. So it started in 2017 with an investment into CryptoKitties and publishing the Asian version of it. And now they have a, like a whole portfolio of games and MA activities in the space, launching F1 Delta Time, launching MotoGP on the blockchain. They recently announced bringing Stargirls uh, and BizQuest and other IPs on the Flow blockchain by Dapper Labs. Uh, so, really pushing up together as a group uh, the space with Sandbox and the Animoca brands uh, product involved into blockchain game. Yeah, and that's really exciting. Um, again, I had um, the Dapper Labs, Roham, uh, on the podcast uh, a, a while back, and it's really great to see that level of collaboration within the industry. I think it's what's going to really drive the space forward um, and build momentum. So in 2018, you co-founded Sandbox um, within Amnicoa, and it was that the the franchise or this particular instance because you said it's a franchise of three episodes was that the first episode was founded in 2018 so the first sandbox was created in 2012 as an ios uh, and uh, android game then the sequel was launched in 2016 called the sandbox evolution and in 2018 we started at the end of 2017 we started to work in this new 3D multi-platform, multiplayer version that use blockchain technology, more specifically NFTs and a native token called SAN. And we announced it by, uh, it, was, well, it was July 2018 at uh, China Joy in Shanghai. And, um, and from there, we continued developing the platform for now over two years, releasing progressively the various product, the 3D editor called Voxedit, the marketplace, the game maker are all live in, in alpha or beta. 
and the game client, which will which will be like what players can 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 use to play the games made by creators, which will launch in beta in 2020. And so this new version, the 3D version, we we decided to to spin out as a separate uh, company that that raised funds in 2019. We raised 4.5 million dollars with investors like Square Enix, the video game company. True Global Venture, Hashed, and a few other either crypto investor or equity investor, traditional VC equity investors. Um, and we've been operating that company, uh, which is now has grown to 70 people in total. Um, so it's becoming really large to build this new version that use blockchain, that use NFTs, that use Sand Token. And that's really uh, the vision we have for a collaborative metaverse. Uh, with community-driven, community-based, uh, interoperability through NFTs and, and all the things that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that you managed to convince traditional investors, at least in the context of, of gaming, um, to invest in crypto, maybe not directly, maybe indirectly. But um, I think un trying to understand the attitude of the gaming industry towards Crypto towards NFTs is really interesting. One of our uh, portfolio company, Crucible, that went through the accelerator, um, it was really interesting watching them, you know, speak to the various gaming engines and, and what have you. So, be really great to get your perspective on how the gaming industry is is feeling towards NFTs at this current point. So, so maybe that's a, a good segue into my kind of first question, which is really to to understand um, how you see the convergence of gaming, NFTs, and DeFi happen. Um, obviously, it's not new. It's just perhaps um, of increasing interest, certainly within the crypto space. NFTs have kind of um, almost come out of nowhere to, to a lot of people, the large majority of people. Um, but of course, there's been a huge amount of industry and work and investment going in over the last couple of years since since 2017. So, um, so, so what's happening? What is what is the convergence? Where where is the momentum coming from? Is it from uh, from blockchain to gaming, or is it from gaming to blockchain? All right. So, so there's many points that I think we we can address here. Like first, like how I, I believe like what your first question was like how did we convince like investors from the traditional game industry to believe in our vision. And well, I think it comes down to uh, like there was, we have assembled a great team, teams that has already experienced into making uh, successful uh, traditional games that have been uh, downloaded millions of time and have been kept making revenue and engaging through live ops for years after they launch, as I mentioned before. So we were not like newcomers with new, no experience into making games. Uh, so that's um, that's been one of our strengths, really, of our eight years of experience with making games. And that's why, like, when you incorporate a new technology and you have no experience into making games, this is usually a recipe for disaster. But if you have strong experience into uh, well, you've crafted your expertise, you've shown that you can build successful games that make revenue. Plus, you combine an innovative technology and you know like where you want to head towards, like within the next five to 10 years, I think investors feel more reinsured. 
So I'm not saying like it's going always to be a disaster. There's definitely great people who disrupt the space without necessarily being 20 years in the industry. But investors tend to make more like safer bets rather than to be too much risk on the risk side, specifically when they are uh, looking at um, at blockchain. And that's why uh, the Sandbox, as well as Animoca brand, as a broader group, have been able to convince a large number of them to, to, to bet on us. Now, the, the broad question uh, behind is like, everything that we've our team has been achieving for the past two years, um, and, and I think that's something like, we can really be uh, proud of as a team is like we always have been delivering on our milestone. Like everything that we've communicated transparently, announced, etc., we've shown that right. There's the 3D editor. It's a product. You can download it already on PC and Mac. You can play with it. You can export your creation. We have thousands of artists who are using it now on daily basis to produce content, and they start uploading it to our marketplace. We have done land pre-sale on our marketplace, and I can uh, talk a little bit more further after on what, what is it, a land, and what is this map we are selling. And we've sold uh, systematically over four rounds uh, part of the map with great success, with more demand than uh, supply, and, and showing that we could interest people that are beyond the sphere of crypto uh, investors or crypto gamers. Uh, so we show that we can bring artists who never know about anything about blockchain technology or crypto and onboard them on the platform before, get them interested to have sand and earn own land as well. So get them engaged within uh, the vision of the platform and be among our uh, best community ambassadors. And we've shown that we can also bring uh, huge IP, huge brand within our virtual world differentiating ourselves, but first using the experience that we have accumulated for years in the space of IPs and brands, and differentiating ourselves from Minecraft, Roblox, Fortnite, and all the, potentially other uh, decentralized virtual world where uh, which are not focused on the gaming or on the IP side necessarily. Uh, and all of that, I think, is a great recipe for, um, well, onboarding more users towards the use of the technology. We keep in mind always that uh, the primary goal is to create a fun experience, something that you want to play, you want to keep coming to every day and engage with, without necessarily any knowledge of crypto or blockchain, or even knowing there's crypto or blockchain involved at some point. Um, and we've achieved, we are going to achieve that through the use of IPs, brands, celebrities. That's also why we, we recently hired Bertrand Levy as our VP of licensing and brand partnership and, and use his network and expertise at uh, Universal Music before. And um, we have all those successful IPs partnership like Care Bears that we announced recently, uh, Atari, Rollercoaster Tycoon, Sean the Ship, uh, just to name a few. And we have even larger brands upcoming, it's still a uh, work in progress. It takes time. Like, um, like what you're seeing where Sandbox is right now, don't forget that it took us two years or more to reach that point. And that's something maybe because right now NFT space is growing, it's exploding even, like which is really exciting. People tend to think like you can build a great product in three days and make huge return on investment in, in maybe one day. No, it's the effort of 
building an IP for eight years and building a new version uh, of a product for two years now. And, and we'll keep doing that for three years, five years, 10 years. Actually, that's, that's how far uh, our vision and roadmap goes. Because that's just realistically speaking, uh, when we look at Fortnite, when we look at Minecraft, at Roblox, that's how long those games have been uh, built live and operating. So it's a long road. We are committed to continue delivering uh, on, on our different milestone roadmap, keep building our product, launch the first public beta in December 2020. But again, it's just a first public beta. So it means like it will give you a taste a taste of the experience, but there will be so much more coming on the next month after as we keep updating it. And we have a fantastic community that it took time to build. It took time to get people uh, to understand what we are trying to do and, and to adhere, to, to, to be, uh, sorry, to, to follow the vision, to share the vision and even to speak even better than we do in their own words about what we are doing. Um, we have launched various incentives as well for creators and game makers to start participating on the platform and be rewarded for the work they bring, for the amazing content that they create, those through the creator fund and the game maker fund. Uh, you can start seeing, we are very transparent, so you can see, you can download our product, you can try yourself, you can see uh, the creators publish their creation on the marketplace or on social media, they make amazing content, uh, amazing videos as well. Uh, you can see on live Twitch stream, creators creating real time with the product. So that's, I think those are the kind of thing that when someone is not involved into uh, blockchain or, or crypto, but they are just a regular gamer or regular person, when they see so much about the game, I think it, it starts sparkling in their eyes. Like, oh, I want to try that. They don't think about blockchain or anything. They just want to try the product. And we'll keep going on toward that direction uh, to, to, to grow Sandbox. Yeah, and so I definitely want to get into the, the kind of constituent parts. Increasingly, as I speak to people like yourself who are working in a different subset of NFT space, uh, in increasingly, I'm convinced that you, know, the, you can look at, especially in the gaming context, um, it from a, a, a few different lenses. So kind of coming back to that, that question around the convergence of gaming NFTs and DeFi. So on the one hand, as you say, uh, especially in the gaming context, this is about play. Um, it's, an, it's about experience and about community. And so in the way that Super Rare is building a community around digital art, you know, you're building a community um, around an experience, um, a playful experience. And, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned, so at the moment, the community is creators, makers, um, and they are, in a way, speculating on the assumption that the users will come. And so you're kind of starting with the content. And if you do the right content, then then the users will come. Um, and And but ultimately, they're building assets, and those assets can be traded and speculated upon, whether that's the land or the in-game assets and stuff. Um, uh, and then presumably, they can become collateral. And so this is another really interesting thing, potentially in, in with DeFi, that people could start to borrow or lend against collateral in Sandbox. And so certainly that's how, how I see all of these things coming together. I don't know if, if you see it in a similar way or, or, or a different way. 
I think essentially we're one of the first layer of creating NFTs that have a real value attached behind. And as such, uh, others in the ecosystem can develop various incentive and mechanism to use that value. If, if, our, if the assets made by the creator were not valuable in any way, or if the land are no value, no one would want to build like, or we want, no one would want to accept land as a collateral of something, etc. So for us, the primary goal always is like, okay, how do we define value? How do we make sure that all the content that's produced by us uh, with the IPs, for example, like Care Bears, etc., or by the community of creators, since we are a user-generated content platform, as value? So we've defined a system inspired by gaming. Um, game balance and game design mechanism that that makes that the NFTs on Sandbox platform are real game items. They have attributes, attribute points and attributes. They have a scarcity and a rarity, and they have a utility attached behind. Like, as a, game assets can be used in the game maker to create game experience. They come with behaviors, like a dragon can be a, a boss, an enemy. They are more or less powerful, better defense, better speed, this kind of thing. Uh, you have lands. Lands, if, if they were lands just sitting by themselves and you could do nothing, I don't think they would be interesting in the eyes of so many people. They are interesting because they are located at specific point on the map, which are more or less close to uh, interest points. Those interest points being our social apps, being the brands and partners that are on the map, as well as uh, they are uh, the main way, the primary way to access the monetization mechanism on Sandbox as a creator. So if you want to publish a game experience and start earning sand uh, in Sandbox platform, you actually need a land. So that's why, and that that's pretty clear. Well, it's pretty easy and accessible to understand that. You don't need to understand, uh, whereas there's more complex financial mechanism where you need to, it takes some time to start understanding what does it mean to loan, to collateralize, to have financial incentive related to staking, yield, etc. Like if you explain that to a kid of 10 years, average kid will not understand. But if you say, look, you have a space, you start selling stuff on this space, well, it makes revenue. Yeah, like I, I get it. It's like a business, a commerce, a restaurant, a shop. And, and that's why lands uh, and in a way virtual real estate uh, has been really easy to communicate to the larger public. There was recently on Twitter, uh, someone who posted, hey dad, I told my dad I bought a land and my dad congratulated me. Like he was so happy for me, etc." Then I told him it was a virtual land in a virtual world, and he just walked out of the room. I think that 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 front it made me laugh, but it translates very well as well, like the paradigm shift between the older generation thinking still estates in terms of only physical real world, and the new generation who understand that virtual real estate in those virtual worlds that are going to last a decade or more can be hugely valuable if. And only if, if you do something on it also, like if you just sit on it, there might be no opportunity, but, and that's, that's where we're heading. Like I, I hope my kids are going to build successful business in the digital world, or they're going to work, play, engage, socialize in 
virtual world, potentially more than in the physical world, specifically where we are heading now with coronavirus, etc. And and that's the vision for the metaverse, like having not just one but a series of virtual worlds that can be interconnected or through the use of blockchain technology and NFTs, having the content in it or the, the avatar, so your identity uh, as an NFT that you can use across all those different worlds, building uh, a value that's, that's underlying and enables the free trading, permissionless trading of goods and monetization. It's a key layer that's going to, to really re revolutionize um, in general, everyone, everybody's life. Uh, some people, not I didn't invent everything, my, anything here. I'm just quoting some people, like economists, etc. They're already talking about this fourth industrial revolution, where we are all going to produce value, work, live, play in virtual worlds, and, and there will the economy of the virtual world will get bigger than the economy of the real world. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating, it's exciting, right? Yeah, I mean, yes. it's, it's fascinating to think about sandbox or other equivalent environments, worlds, as potentially being an environment for the financial education of, you know, younger generations. I, I was always, you know, incredibly critical of the lack of financial education that I got or how late I got it in life. And um, so this summer... I had the experience, you know, in, in lockdown with my daughter. She's seven of trying to get her into Animal Crossing. Um, she was a, she was a disappointing entrepreneur, put it that way. I, I couldn't I couldn't get. And she, I think she's going to have to go into a, a different profession um, to me. But um, it was also very limited in terms of the experience that you could have around those assets. So I really like the idea that the context to these assets is important to their value, and of course that that kind of stickiness. But also this idea that um, because what happens in something like Sandbox or any virtual world is going to be experienced, spill over into environments like Twitch, um, but also NFTs generally, you know, as a as an asset, they are visually appealing generally, whether it's a digital art or a collectible, they're easy to understand. Um, and therefore, they have kind of this breakout potential in existing social environments, whether that's Twitter, Twitch, um, uh, YouTube, or, or what have you. So I think there's a real promise there to bring in the masses into uh, into these worlds or into, into crypto and Web3 through these virtual environments. Um, so let's break down the constituent parts of Sandbox a little bit more. You've alluded to a couple of elements, but it'd be great to um, to be clear on that. So as I said, um, the Sandbox game at the moment is in alpha. Um, public beta is in December, uh, December 2020. Um, and currently the community are uh, creators, not, not players. Um, you have... Uh, a couple of elements, Marketplace, Vox Edit, the SAN token. It'd be good to understand those those building blocks or functions of, of the ecosystem and, and how they interplay. Right. Well, I think that's very relevant. And I wanted to add to the my previous answer that also Sandbox is one of the first projects that we're implementing uh, play to earn. Like and how is this play-to-earn business model uh, implemented? And what it is exactly? The answer is exactly the answer to your question. So, play-to-earn is a business model where 
players can enter a game or a virtual world like Sandbox. And without necessarily uh, making any upfront payment, it can be totally free. They can, they, they can earn rewards, they can earn tokens through the play time, through the engagement time and their skills as a player. And they can convert the product of their playtime here, for example, uh, actually tokens into fiat revenue at real world money uh, using, and the potential of play to earn is really uh, increased with the use of blockchain technology and tokens because the value of these tokens can appreciate over time, over the demand and actually over the contribution. So more and more players actually participating creates a general, generally a more wealthy ecosystem for everyone. There's value growth, not value detrition. So that's a good use case. And in Sandbox, how we are building this play to earn is through a combination of different uh, actors in our ecosystem, in our platform, and the different tokens underlying it. We have on Sandbox, we have players, we have artists who make the asset, we have game creators who make the game experience, we have potentially uh, curators who are in charge of reviewing the content on the shop, on the gallery, helping to feature. We have people who assist in the community, who help onboarding new players, who provide support and other incentive. Um, and depending on your profile of user, you're going potentially to, to have various activities. Players are going to enter the game. They are going to uh, give some playtime to find resource gems, or some of them called gems and catalysts, um, collect them. And creators actually do need gems and catalysts to make asset that are more or less powerful in their games. So ultimately, but creators, maybe they don't want to spend too much time into play. So there's already like a potential fair trade of value with two parties involved that need resource mutually from each other. And that's what we call the circular economy in Sandbox. So uh, we think that the, no matter what everyone uh, brings to Sandbox ecosystem in terms of like time, value, content, there is a way for them to be rewarded in tokens so, and ultimately in sand token that can appreciate and that they can convert into uh, the exchange that are, so, are partners like Binance or we listed recently on Huobi, on Wazirix in India, on Crypto.com uh, and all more exchange too. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating to, to think through how you're designing that virtual economy um, and the interactions between players and creators and, and, and rewarding them. In a way, it's kind of a new form of mining, right? You know, you're minting new asset and supply based upon um, participation, contribution of time, resource. Exactly. It's active engagement. Of course, you can also earn in passive engagement. And we just actually, right one hour ago, we announced our uh, sand liquidity mining, where if you stake sand and if on our uh, Uniswap pool, and you stake your LP tokens, then you can receive a part of the reward in sand. So there should be always, as I mentioned, incentive for every contributor or actors within our ecosystem. Sand holders are part of it. Like we have over 180,000, according to latest public figures, people who own or hold sand tokens and we thought that was also a great way for them to, to to benefit from in a way from the growth of the ecosystem and the platform as well 
But if you come, if you stake sand and you also play or create, there should be an extra reward for the more active participation and uh, more active contribution as well to the, the value, the overall value. And so there's something else I've heard you talk about called IP collaborations in the context of virtual estate. Could you, could you tell us more about that? So, well, it's always been our approach to leverage a big brand IPs and celebrities and give them a presence in virtual world, uh, in Sandbox. So we, when we did the mobile game in Sandbox first, we had Pac-Man, we had Shrek, we had Ghostbusters as uh, events, time-limited events in the game, but creators could use the characters from those games into, um, into them, into their creation, their 2D world that they shared on an online gallery. However, uh, with, so that's just logical. Um, that we use the same experience and we just enhance it with blockchain. So we've done it with Atari, Sean the Ship, even more recently with Care Bears. We've given them a presence in uh, our metaverse with uh, our, within our map, and we give them. Um, we created limited game assets that can be used by creators to make their own stories, adventures, and game using their favorite characters. That's, I think, a great combination. So uh, socializer, people who are not willing to create games, they can still come within, let's say, like, uh, if you're familiar with Care Bears, there's this Carolot Kingdom, which is like a magical place with a kingdom and rainbows and clouds, etc., where you can just come and chat and hang around with other players. If you're creators, then you can build adventures with uh, with your favorite bears, and they can be a, a platformer, or they can be even fighting games if you want. Up to you. Like all the things that you used to do, maybe when you were a kid playing with um, uh, figurines and plastic toys, creating your own stories. Because we all like this as kids, like we create stories with our characters. Now you can do the same within. Well, we see games. I'm definitely not going to admit on the podcast that I used to play with Care Bears when I was a kid. Um, that that definitely didn't definitely didn't happen. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess the um... it's one among the others. Right? We, yes, we, we yeah. have many more brands just for the sake of the example. I know. My, I think my daughter would would uh, would love it. Now, um, so of course, you said at the moment that there are no users; it's creators. So, I'm guessing. To, to be able to get brands to engage with an environment where there aren't yet users, scarcity helps there, right? Because they realize that uh, there will be a premium if they wait, presumably. Is, is that as scarcity of assets, land? Um, has that been a motivating factor in getting brands to engage early before there are users? Or is it just purely on your kind of reputation? There's two perspectives. Like from the user side, always, I think being a pioneer of being an early adopter of a product should be uh, should give you some rewards. If, when you're an early adopter in like a SaaS platform or an online service, sometimes you get free access forever for your lifetime, or you get some perks that users who who are coming late at a later stage don't. And that's because you're going to contribute with your feedback. You're going to help the team to shape a better product. So it just feels natural. And we've done that by offering progressive discounts over our land pre-sales. But 
on um, the IPs and brand side, they have different perspectives. What are our brands looking for? They are looking for engagement, reaching out to more people. So they, most of them are never going to be the pioneers or early adopters within something. They are going to wait like, like for something like Fortnite, become huge, have hundreds of millions of active users to finally figure out oh, it's time we do something in Fortnite because there's so many of our customers in Fortnite. And then, um, but so we are, I think it's there's something in the middle between like this, that we are working to bridge. The idea is like, as you build and you bring more and more brands, starting maybe with uh, smaller brands, then you'll progressively, they will see like, wow, that's cool what they did, how it worked actually on their audience now, etc. So it will convince more and more to come progressively. Um, and that's why usually they are, we're really happy with the collaboration with Care Bears, for example, because they, even though they are a brand that has been out there for over 25 years, they have, uh, they have essentially been onboarded with blockchain, they love taking risk they're, and they were among the first. Same with Atari, it's a video game brand that's been out there since the beginning of video game industry. And now they are among the pioneers as well in blockchain with the Atari VCS blockchain console and several uh, games that use blockchain technologies that are going to be made by Animoca brands, which is exciting. I think that's, that's a, yeah, it's great to have uh, those partners with us in Sandbox. So that's a great segue into the work that you're doing as president of the Blockchain Game Alliance, um, which is bringing together, as you say, established players with um, new new participants from the crypto space blockchain gaming world. Could you tell us a little bit about um, some of the different participants there? And yeah. Sure. Well, uh, the Blockchain Game Alliance is a non-profit organization that counts over 150 members now. Uh, we've been, uh, we are excited to see uh, more and more members coming up every month. I guess it's thanks to the efforts we put in organizing uh, more meetups, having more live stream content and giving more visibility to all the members through that. Uh, some of our sponsors and key members include Animoca Brand, Ubisoft, IMD, uh, consensus, Chromia, Algorand, um, MakerDAO, Matic are among the sponsors of the big. And then we have a large uh, range of blockchain games, traditional games, media, and now even uh, development solution, chains and protocol now, and even actually investors. So uh, it, it's great to see like we are able to bring this special space where um, all these different actors of the ecosystem are connecting and working toward the same goal, which is essentially to, 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 to promote the use of blockchain technology by leading, leading by the example toward the bigger industry, which is the video game industry. So um, let's go back to that big vision, metaverse big vision, um, that you were discussing at the beginning of the podcast. So I've heard the term uh, content is the platform. And I guess that's kind of linked to this idea around portability that you, you're, um, 
you can own something or have value in one environment and you can port it into another environment. Could you, could, could you explain this vision of content as the platform and how that fits into your big vision for the metaverse? Well, we, we, I, it's clear here, like one of the strong innovation that NFTs have brought is indeed the fact that uh, you have NFTs, those are assets can live outside of the game they were initially created for. They can be used by other games thanks to this, the possibility of interoperability. And it means essentially that the NFTs can carry their own distribution. So you don't need to have like one game with NFT to actually promote those NFTs. You can have the NFTs on the marketplaces. You can have the NFT uh, in the player wallets as a way to attract those players who own those NFT into new games, new experience. It becomes a user acquisition strategy. It becomes a distribution platform of its own. So that's why I think it's pretty exciting. And uh, in Sandbox Vision, as we are a user-generated content virtual world, NFTs are not made by us. They are made by the creators themselves using our NFT maker, VoxEdit. So you, we give users the power, the possibility to make their own NFT to, and to make their own promotion and distribution of it through it. So that's, that's I think, some, a very interesting possibility. We have seen example of the content we make in Sandbox already used, usable um, on other product, other platform, other blockchain already through various partnerships. And, and that's also uh, one step toward this promise of this metaverse where the content uh, that's being designed by different users can travel across those virtual worlds. It's no longer locked. So the value of the content is no longer locked as well within uh, the centralized space. And that's, that's going to be a main difference with uh, the other metaverse because the metaverse is a concept. It's not necessarily blockchain related. Uh, some will say that Fortnite is the metaverse, Roblox is a metaverse, uh, the new Facebook Horizons is a metaverse. But in each one of them, they are actually silos. The value, the users, they cannot travel from one to another. So the value of those silo is essentially, uh, it's 100% into locking the content and the users in it. We are ongoing on the opposite. We do believe that there is more value, actually, if there is a free circulation of goods and people across the virtual world. Now, I hope that my message can be heard and we'll have some uh, more and more grounds, like uh, numbers and metrics and good example to sustain what at the moment is still a vision and could take five or 10 years more to achieve. But I'm not the only one believing in it. I, I do believe there's major actors, major investors that openly talk about it. And so we hopefully will see change in the upcoming years. I think uh, an open metaverse is a vision that I can certainly buy into. Um, so, Sebastian, it's been great having you on the show. I think people will find it really fascinating. It certainly provoked a couple of thoughts for me that I'm going to go away and, and, and noodle on. Um, good luck with the beta launch in December. I guess it's going to come at you pretty quickly. But as you say, you've been pretty good at hitting deadlines, so no pressure. Um, good luck with everything and thanks for coming on. 
Thank you, Jamie. It's been a pleasure having this conversation. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope to see you in our metaverse, so join Sandbox. Cheers. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3. Thank you.